Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. Tumte. Hump day. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this August 24th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, and Dylan Bishop hanging out with you today. Show sponsored in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Uh, one day until high school football season here in the Mountain State, guys, and uh, we'll be kicking it off tomorrow on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, WRNR TV on YouTube uh, with Washington at Hedgesville, and uh, we've been talking about this for the last few days. Uh Dylan, this is your first time on. You talked with head coach Matt Faircloth yesterday at practice and uh, lineman Drew Milton. And then you were out there Monday with me talking to Glenn Simpson as well as DJ Smith. Uh, you're, you know, you're on the call tomorrow with me. What are your impressions of this game? I think it's going to be really interesting because I feel like Hedgesville in particular has really shown an upward trajectory. But so has Washington because Washington, they've gone 5-5 five and five the last two years, but uh, seeing that team the way they practice you know they don't have a lot of numbers but it seems like a team that's also improving themselves uh joe verbal at quarterback seems like he's a, a dual threat weapon uh for hedgesville they've gone from losing 49 to nothing to 20 to nothing uh from two years ago to last year and i think it's going to be a pretty good game overall because jackson ruest at quarterback seems like he has a really good arm on him and, you know, Coach Fairclaw said that they're going to pass the ball more this year than they have in the past. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to it as well. Just as Dylan said, we've been told by Coach Faircloth that they are going to spread out the offense a little bit more and uh, put more trust into Jackson Ruess. But the way we've seen Hedgesville football, I'm in my head right now leaning more towards I'll believe it when I see it because they are a... <laughs> run heavy team and when you got a guy like whaley in the backfield why not yeah and you know when you look at this series the last win for hedgesville came back in 2018 on thursday august 23rd 68 to 8 was the victory uh then you go into the covid year in 2020 they fell 49 to nothing and then you look at last year it was 20 to nothing and uh, we know that the that the program at Hedgesville has undergone, you know, it's gotten a lot better under head coach Matt Faircloth than where it was when he picked it up, and uh, you know he's looking for uh, a victory in this game to start out the season pretty well. Well, I think this game's gonna be one in the trenches, like Colin said. I mean, Hedgesville's style of play, it's it's tough to see in one year making the jump from pretty much never throwing the ball to throwing it all over the place. I I think it might be more balanced as the year goes on, but this game's going to be one in the trenches. I mean, these two football teams, that's kind of what they pride themselves on is physicality up front and running the football. I think the more physical team comes out and wins. And like I said earlier in the week, I think a low-scoring game that's going to be really physical uh, should be a competitive football game. I think both these teams are pretty similar um, in terms of talent and stuff like that. So I think this game, uh, 
will be more of a run heavy game. Uh, but you know, Hedgesville does have talent around Rue West to potentially throw the ball a little bit more, but they had those same guys last year and they didn't throw it, or at least they had Tanner Matthew in there. And I know they had Rue West at quarterback. So, you know, it, it is kind of, I believe it. I will see it when I, if I see it, I guess, or whatever Colin said, I can't even talk. I'll now, believe it when I see it. When I see it, yeah. So I'm going to quickly add something because I agree that it's going to be one in the trenches, the physical or more physical team. Now I can't talk, Nick. You got this uh, contagious in this room now, but uh, the more physical team will win. But I'm going to add in the more disciplined team. Uh, that's a good will point win because yes, you can be physical, but you really have to be disciplined with that physicality because you don't want late penalties or holds within those trenches that either back you up or allow a possible renew of downs on the other side of the ball and if to help remember the other team's offense. The game from last year, there were several times where Hedgesville was in the red zone or just outside the red zone, you know, on the other side of the 50 and either turned it over or got some penalties to move themselves back. So it while it was a 20 nothing victory for Washington – you go back and you look at a few things here and there, and it was like this could have been a 2014 mm-hmm. game. It could have even been a 2020 game at one point. Uh, so there was just, you know, some major mistakes by Hedgesville. I think they're going to clean those up because now they have more experience, they have more confidence, and they got better as the year went on last year. So I don't expect them to come out and play sloppy, but since we've seen it before you know that will be really important and it is week one so there's going to be those mistakes there's going to be those penalties that hold you back but like colin said i think that is going to be important to be really disciplined in this game if you want to get a win because it really held back hedgesville uh from potentially getting a win last year just and just one last point those penalties can really kill you when you run the ball so much because you you know you can run the ball efficiently, but you get less of those explosive plays. You get behind the yard markers, you get to like first and 20 on a, on a holding penalty. It's hard to make up that ground when you run the ball so much. Yeah, and you know, when you're looking at this team, we were able to get the depth chart last night for Hedgesville from head coach Matt Faircloth. And uh, I don't know exactly what's going on, but uh, somebody that was expected to fill a big, big void on this team as a senior is not on the depth chart. Uh, I don't know if it's an injury or, or something else like that, but I do not see his name on this depth chart. That being a guy we talked about in Kyle Whaley. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't see it. Uh, it. Obviously, that could be just a misprint, but if he's not going to play in this game, it'd be very interesting to see who, who steps in for him. And that uh, you know, Yeah, because you're looking at that running back spot, and you got Jake Young, Jacob Kerr, and Nick Wood. No Kyle Whaley. So if uh, he's out for some reason that obviously we're not aware of that is a uh, big loss for this Hedgesville Eagle team and uh with that now I do truly believe that they might have to spread out the ball more that's true but I, I would say uh you know we'd have to definitely get some clarification on that make sure that one it isn't just a misprint and maybe find out what the situation we'll is to if see it if is a coach faircloth is tuned in again yeah. um, we can get an answer yeah but when you're looking at those guys i mean you put rue s back there quarterback we obviously know that but then you know on the outside w- one of the big things we talked about this year uh was that they're going to open things up you got tanner matthew and, and coach faircloth really likes the, what he's what he's come the the improvement he's made from this year to last year braylon connor as well uh you know nate 
uh, Nate No, DeMonte Martin as well, uh, Hunter Turner, and Ian Wolf. I think those are some guys that can make a big impact as well. Um, but uh, this should be a, a, a pretty good ball game tomorrow night. Just and, real quick, DeMonte Martin is a player that multiple players that we talked to yeah. had mentioned. So uh, he's just a sophomore, so it'll be someone to watch out for. Yeah, and now we turn over to the Washington side of things. Um, you know, this team, obviously, we were there on Monday, and it wasn't in my head. I was like, where is everybody? And they had a JV game that night. So obviously a lot of the players on the varsity team are also on the JV team. Uh, so it was just weird to look initially. And then when I heard it, I was like, this all makes sense now. Uh, but, you know, uh, that wing offense, you know, moving, it's going to be kind of a, a thing about how Verbal and Delgado work together because, you know, with Verbal being the quarterback, uh, you know, the guy really leading this, it'll be interesting to see how that goes with Rodrigo Delgado. And, and you know, that the depth chart I got here, it just lists four running backs because that's what the wing offense is. But, you know, as we know from from talking uh, with everybody there, that it is Joe Verbal kind of leading the way. Uh, but I think uh, I think this team is going to be, you know, a team that could sneaky do things to you. And I think tomorrow night, you know, Hedgesville's defense is going to have to contain them. Absolutely. Yeah, Go ahead, Don. You're on the game. so Yeah, I was going to say that Vrobel and Delgado back there, they seem like very athletic guys. Vrobel especially has a lot of quickness to him from what we saw in practice that we were at. So if he can throw the ball at all, I don't expect them to do much of it, but it gives you that extra threat of that single-wing offense that either guy can take the snap at any time and be blocking for the other one uh, if he's not. So... Uh, it's a lot to handle for Hedgesville's linebackers. They're going to have to be on their A game. They're going to have to be reading and reacting. It's tough. The defensive linemen up front are going to have to do what they can. So I I think Washington, they've been running this offense now for multiple years, and they've started to get the hang of things, I think. So Hedgesville's going to have to be ready. And the good thing about Washington is, you know, it's not like they've had poor seasons for the last couple seasons. They've right. literally been mediocre. The definition of mediocre at five and five and when you do that and you have these seniors and and guys that have been able to play for the last couple of years it drives them to go we can we can easily win six seven eight but maybe eight ball games if we put our minds to it and you know we talked uh did we talk to was it delgado i think joe verbal and yeah his, verbal said, verbal eight and two. said eight and two yep. so i mean obviously they have high standards for themselves and you'd like to see that for a team that has been 500 over the last two seasons Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think there's no reason why they can't add on to what they did last year and be better. Yeah, I think uh, the keys for Hedgesville, I mean, they really got to play alignment assignment football to stop the wing offense. And they're pretty familiar with it with their kind of hybrid wing that they've ran in the past. Uh, So that helps, I think, for this game, you know, kind of knowing the offense already. But Really, when you're going up against the wing, like Dylan said, you know, different guys can take the snap. Uh, there's a lot of motion involved. So you just got to really know your assignments, know where your gap is, and make sure you fill it and stick to that assignment. You know, don't get tricked by moving in the, movement in the backfield and stuff like that or maybe where the ball goes. You know, as long as you fill your gap and, and you know your assignment uh, defensively, you can slow it down, but that's the thing. It's it's tough to stay really on your toes and make those plays, and that's what makes the wing effective, especially when you have a team that's built like Washington where they have good backs, they have good offensive linemen. 
and they can really control that line of scrimmage and make things difficult for the defense, even though it's not necessarily a super complex offense to figure out. And when you look at the stats from last year's ball game, you know, the 20 nothing victory for Washington, uh, obviously running that wing, they did mix in four passes in there, uh, or four that were received. Um, it was a total of six attempts. Uh, but, you know, leading the way on the uh, running game was Joe Vrobel as he's coming back as a senior with 11 carries for 52 yards, averaging 4.7 a pop with a long of 25. Austin Sharp, who graduated, had 19 carries, taking the bulk of the load, but only 33 yards. So, if I, you know, I throw can have that burst when he wants to run the ball. Oh, really, he definitely can. It can really grind you down, that kind of offense, because I mean, they're holding time of possession for long stretches of period. Uh, periods of time the the defense for Hedgesville out there for long periods of time uh, the offense not getting the chance to get on the field to score points that's a lot of the reason why a game like that in the last two years Hedgesville not getting that many points is the Washington offense running the ball holds the ball for long stretches of time and they don't get on the field yeah, yeah, and yeah. playing them week one really tests your off-season conditioning that's what I was going to yeah. bring up there is you know when we've been to both of those schools and i think we saw a lot of a lot of good things from both teams and i think this is going to be a pretty well matched ball game as nick said that it's going to be one in the trenches yeah and colin brought up the point of conditioning and i think especially with it being august you know we know kids are going to go down with cramps and stuff throughout the game so you could have to go to some of your depth and that could play a big factor too so i think uh, when you're going up against that Washington offense and even that Hedgesville offense, both of them really want to control the clock and, and run the football, at least based on what we've seen in the past. You know, Hedgesville supposedly is going to mix things up this year. We'll have to wait and see if that's going to be early in the year or is that something that they're working on throughout later the season. The yeah. But, uh, you know, you're going to see kids go down with several cramps. We're going to probably have, you know, several stoppages of play due to that because it's hot. It's the first game of the season, and you know these teams are going to be running the football. So you're going to be on the field for a long time. Yes, and uh, we want to move on now. Let's kind of preview the EPAC a little bit more. Uh, What do we think is who's the player of the year candidate? I mean, I think this could is honestly going to be a unanimous decision, but I would like to see somebody else say some other name. Um, You know, I'm going to throw out right now the unanimous vote that everybody's going to have in Murphy Clement but I want to hear other guys well I think if staying at the same you know team and position Ezra Bajan you, you could see I mean it depends on how what those splits are but he's the passing guy on the Martinsburg team they're the likely state champions so I mean Murphy's going to get a lot of touches but Ezra is as well so and Ezra's a senior this year so he's yep. he's going to want to make even more of an impact uh Colin just for the sake of uh, discussion, even though I'm the Martinsburg play-by-play guy and the uh, guys that I'd say would most likely be a player of the year are the two guys that you mentioned. I'll throw in uh, Baden Hartman yeah. from Musselman. I think he's going to have a uh, pretty solid year if he can remain healthy, and hopefully he does so because of that connection that we've said could be a best in the state between him and Ray Adamas. And I'll throw in the fact that because Murphy and Ezra will have to split time at on paper to look at a player of the year Hartman's numbers could look better because he won't have to split time at quarterback exactly Nick well I think those are all good choices and I'm going to go back to the Bulldogs but I'm going to go with 
Cam Shallis because I think that that defense is going to be really good this year, and I think he's going to have, you know, an all-state type year at linebacker. Um, now, defensive players aren't going to get player of the year probably, but I think he's going to be in the running because of the season I think he could have on that defense with that you know defensive line that maybe lacks a little bit of experience, but they got uh, Reed there in the inside. I think he's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Shallis to rack up even more tackles than he did last season. You know, he he won the offseason award for best offseason. And another thing to, to note about Murphy, while I think he's going to have a great year, uh, he is coming off of that injury. So maybe the first few weeks of the season, he's still kind of getting used to playing again because it is an injury that's going to nag at you, even though uh, you're able to play with it. So maybe the first few weeks, he, he might not be who we think he's going to be. 100% necessarily. I mean, he's 100% in terms of he's not going to get injured, hopefully, again. But, you know, like he's not going to be completely uh, used to playing with the injury. So that's going to take maybe a a few weeks for him to get used to. I still think he has a great season, and I'm hoping for the best for him. But I think Cam Chalice could be a guy that doesn't necessarily end up being the EPAC player of the year because he's not an offensive superstar. But – uh, defensively, he he'll definitely make a huge impact, and people the are going to have to keep all a, eye on him. I think in terms of what he's able to do, and could get some like votes, I guess, if you want to put it in that terms. Yeah, I think I'm going to go a little kind of out of where we're all thinking, and you know, I've mentioned this multiple times on the show. I think this team uh, goes by how this player plays. Last year, 1145 yards from scrimmage, uh, rushing wise, 18 touchdowns. That's Evan Tool out of Jefferson. That that's a good choice. He's coming back as a senior. And, you know, we got to talk to him this offseason. I think he could be a, a candidate for the EPAC Player of the Year uh, just because, it, as you know, as I just said, as Evan Tool goes, I think Jefferson's going to go this year. And that's not saying anything about who their quarterback is, uh, but I just personally think that when you have a new quarterback in a system, it's not going to go – you're not going to go 0 to 100 like that. And I think that Evan Tool is going to get a healthy amount of carries this year that can – you know, I believe he said, didn't he say he wanted 2,000 yards? Yes, he yep. did. If he gets 2,000 yards, I mean, it's going to be hard to argue. I mean, he's I a state Gatorade player. Unanimous. I think at that point he becomes a state Gatorade player. Oh, if yeah. nobody right. else does that single-handedly. I mean, you got to look at a guy from Bridgeport who could potentially do that because that's all they do. Well, they had, what, two guys that were over 1,000 last year? I think there were 1,500. Were they 1,500? Was it even higher? Wrong. I'd have to check, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think I they, think they had two over 1,200. One kid might have been at, like, 1,500 right or something. Yeah. They, I mean, they were a, a power football team, but nobody's going to get 2,000 probably individually unless they have, like, an unbelievable year where they run for, like, 8,000 rushing yards or something ridiculous. Yeah. All right, who do we think surprise team is going to be? I mean, I already said it kind of earlier in the week. I think Washington's going to surprise a lot of people and maybe get the six, seven wins this year. Uh, and I just think that this is their year where they take that next step. We pointed out that their schedule might have some lesser competition. Not necessarily that those teams are bad on their schedule. They're just playing smaller schools. So they go in as the favorites, I think, heading into those games. So you could see a team like Washington getting six, seven wins, and I think they could really be the surprise team because I know they're not getting a whole lot of respect across the state. And uh, it just seems like it, it would be their year with the back-to-back five-win seasons for them to kind of take the next step. I'm going to go ahead and say Hedgesville. 
uh, because we saw them make that leap from no wins to four wins last year. There is no reason that they can't make another leap, you know, another year under Coach Faircloth, and he's had this full offseason to get his guys together and really install what he wants to install. Uh, another year of Ruest at quarterback. If they're really going to pass the ball more and Ruest steps up to the plate and Kyle Whaley steps up to the plate as well as the new number one running back, they could see a you know multiple win increase from last year as well. I know it might not be a traditional surprise team because typically we say surprises are teams that are, you know, I know exactly going, going from <laughs> a losing record to a winning record type deal. I'm going with Martinsburg as a surprise team in the fact that they were going to surprise people with how untouchable they will be this year because of the athletes they have. I think the games like Highland Springs will throw in Salem throw in Riverside those tough non-conference games that we're talking about for Martinsburg this year because of the athletes they have will not be as competitive score-wise as it was last year and I think that's what's going to surprise people is we're going to see blowouts in those ones well you went a different direction than I anticipated you going (laughs) Uh, but you know if you look at the power rankings you look at all this stuff you see Martinsburg Jefferson then you see Musselman. Well, that's not going to surprise you because they're projected to be there. I think a team that could be a dark horse surprise could potentially make its way into the playoffs is the Spring Mills. I think that the way that Coach Sims is running that team this year, I think when you bring in a full-time OC who you know was at WVU as a player, and then you you know you have uh, the guy they brought in and Buddy Hessen from Martinsburg a few years back, and his I believe is Grant is it his nephew i believe so yes. yeah yeah his nephew being the assistant i think that team could re- be a really big team that surprises you and could sneak into the triple a playoffs this year and i mean we we've talked about them this being a building year but if you're talking about a surprise team it's a team that catches fire and can you know get itself into the playoffs when nobody expected it to be i thought colin was going to say like jefferson because like everybody's doubting them but he went with the Marnsburg pick yeah all right, well, we'll Trying continue. to, like, mess with our brains in terms of what we think a surprise is. Yeah. All right, well, that we'll continue our EPAC talk tomorrow, talk more of tomorrow night's ball game, and, and get a little more in-depth into the EPAC tomorrow as well as Friday. But that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. And when we come back, we'll talk some WVU and Shepard, two guys on a watch list. Plus, we'll go into two WVU's quarterback situation that's on the watch list and more. Uh, the segment sponsored in part by Parsons Ford. Ken Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll get into that college stuff next. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, Colin, and Avery hanging out with you Avery. today. Nope. Or excuse me, Dylan. <laughs> Almost. Do we it miss again. you, Avery. I did it again. I'm sorry. Sorry, Dylan. Sorry, right. I miss Avery too. Also, don't bang the table, please. 
All right, welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix. Uh, we'll get into some WVU Shepherd talk. Uh, get the news this morning. Tyson Bajan and JT Daniels both named to the Senior Bowl watch list. Uh, that's big because Tyson Bajan, a Division II player. He's the only, as Dylan told me, so I'll let him say it. Yeah, he is the not only just the only Division II player, he's the only, like, he's the only player not in FBS on this watch list. Well, that, I think it's well-deserved. Yes, this is the 36 uh, senior quarterbacks in all of college football that the Senior Bowl has identified as guys that could be they could invite at the end of the year, and it's a big thing because the the Senior Bowl is the biggest game uh, in the off season that is coached by actual NFL coaching staffs, and they get to see these guys up close in person. These NFL coaches in the draft process, they really. Uh, harp on they want to see guys live in action and they really like that so for a guy from a division two school to get invited to uh, the senior bowl would be huge and he has the chance to as he could end up a two-time harlan hill trophy winner and that would be absolutely huge because as we can mention jt daniels of west virginia is also on this list but but these are the best senior QBs in the country Stetson Bennett of Georgia's on this list uh Clayton Toon at Houston guys like this guys who are going to be in the draft talk uh this I is huge do have to correct you I don't know if you're talking about the quarterback room specifically but there are more than FBS players on this list there are a few FCS teams on this list uh one of those being North Dakota State they've got uh three players on this list Okay, I am talking about. I was talking about quarterbacks specifically. Yeah, yeah. I figured you were, uh, but I was confused because I was like, I've definitely heard of Senior Bowl pulling other people uh, from other league, other divisions. Yeah, out of the all, all other thirty-five quarterbacks uh, that they're on the watch list are from FBS, and but again, is the only Division two player. Disrespect. Uh, They didn't even spell Shepard's name correct. No, they didn't. They spelled Shepard. S H E p-a-r-d yeah in the graphic they put on twitter they spelled it right but not on the website so some people might be thinking uh you know it's 36 so he has a long shot but you got to look at it at the fact that out of all the quarterbacks in the nation he is one of the 36 named the recognition is finally there and as dylan said deservingly so with him being a harland hill winner last year which is the uh basically division two heisman for those that might not be aware so the fact that he's on there is awesome i think he's going to have another great year and i'd put him as a front runner to possibly get another harland hill which would be pretty cool as well for uh himself and if he makes it there awesome we'll have to wait and see obviously it's going to be tough out of those 36 but i would not count him out that's been the issue for his entire career as people have counted him out and look where he is now right yeah and you get some guys that decide not to participate in the senior bowl some Mm -hmm. years so there might be guys that drop out even if he doesn't make that there's the shrine game which is kind of the second level below it that still is coached by nfl staffs and it's observed by all the scouts so and the senior bowl down in mobile alabama it's like an entire Comic, it's like a comic con of uh, NFL draft analysts and writers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, who's who of NFL draft analysts? And when you look also on this, you know, from West Virginia, you've got Dante Stills, Sam James, Bryson, or excuse me, Bryce Ford Wheaton, as well as JT Daniels. Uh, but JT Daniels on this list, but 
Coach Neil Brown has not decided who the starting quarterback is going to be. And it's a four-man competition. Yeah, he has. Well, he hasn't publicly announced a starter. <laughs> Which, How about that? As we said yesterday, it makes no sense that he hasn't publicly named uh, JT Daniels the starting quarterback. And now I only have sounded one side. It wasn't from you guys hitting the table, but I guess I touched my wire. So. All right. Well, yeah, I don't understand why you – I mean, JT Daniels is going to be the starting quarterback. I don't know why you just don't come out and name it. Name him. Football coaches, football coaches are weird sometimes. They like to play these little mind games or something like that where they're trying to motivate guys or whatever it might be or try to hide things from the other team. Who knows what the motivation is, but I, there's no way JT Daniels isn't the starting quarterback. That's what I'm saying. I just yeah. don't understand. And in his press conference, he says, oh, well, Pitt hasn't named one either. Well, they have today, so I wonder, do we see the official – uh, naming of JT Daniels as a starting quarterback coming out this afternoon or the next time that uh, Neil Brown meets with the press, uh, but that's interesting to me. I still don't, still don't get it. I, I it's like it, it's like another comparison. Uh, Marshall still has a name to starting quarterback, but it is obviously the Texas Tech transfer and Henry Columbia. I don't, I just don't see a, a a reason why these coaches aren't naming something, naming starting quarterbacks that are literally defined by the way these guys practice and the way their name notoriety yeah back to tyson for a sec since i didn't get a chance to speak on sorry it. Yeah, I, it's all good um i think being on that watch list proves that presuming he has another good season he's going to at least get an opportunity in the nfl uh, whether that be as an undrafted free agent or as a late round draft pick um because you know the top 36 quarterback coming into this draft i don't know what that noise is but i'm just trying to ignore it um you know that i mean there's 32 teams most teams are going to at least take a look at a a guy as an undrafted free agent so uh it definitely you know i think means that he can definitely earn that opportunity and he's already proven you know in a lot of people's eyes to be i think a potential late round draft pick if not a free agent signing that could have a lot of success this year so uh you gotta i think be high on tyson bajan as a player and i think his nfl future will come one day in some capacity and i think realistically you watch him play and you look at some of the attributes that you would look at for an nfl type quarterback you know he's got the height uh big question before was maybe his body wasn't quite there so He's worked on that. He's really developed muscle-wise and strength-wise. So I think, um, you know, he has what you would probably look at in terms of physical attributes. And then you look at uh, just what he does on the football field, you know, has the ability to scramble if you want him to, uh, good arm strength, good accuracy. So really all the intangibles, I think, to potentially become an NFL quarterback. So my uh, he'll get that opportunity at the next level, whether it be through the draft or as an undrafted free agent, uh, presuming he has another good year this year. And if he doesn't get the senior bowl, like Dylan said, there's still other opportunities for him. Yeah, there are definitely going to be other opportunities for Tyson Bajan. Just one last point. I mean, for Tyson, he talked about how this is a good NFL opportunity for him. Connor Jessup, former Shepherd quarterback, was one signed by – uh, Washington to you know in the offseason as an undrafted free agent and he didn't reach nearly the heights that Tyson has reached even so far even before his last season so I think it's almost a given that Tyson as long as he can put up the same kind of numbers and 
showed the same kind of tape that he put up last season that he's going to be able to get some sort of NFL opportunity. Well, and we when Nick talked to him the other day, and I played the soundbite in my morning sports yesterday, or mon- yesterday, uh, he said obviously he's done so much as a in, a in a personal aspect when it comes to being on the field. This year, his personal goals are to cut down on turnovers and score when he's in the red zone, score touchdowns when he's in the red zone, and then build the camaraderie with the team and, and form – I, I, what are the exact words you use, Nick? Do you have those exact well, words? I don't remember exactly, but I think basically just, bonding more as a team, yeah. essentially. And I think just uh, you mentioned the turnovers. That could be the one thing that at times is a little bit high for Tyson Bajan. I think he had 11 interceptions last year, but you look at the touchdown interception ratio, it's perfectly acceptable. So uh, that is something that I think he could improve on. But it's not a huge issue in his game. And I think just sometimes uh, you get out there on the field and you're a guy like Tyson Bajan that's very competitive and you maybe think you can make a play that isn't quite there uh, and he might have forced a few balls here and there throughout the season. But, I mean, overall, he's he's a very talented player and that's just, you know, just not making those decisions occasionally um, and something he can definitely work on. And if he lowers those numbers and they weren't even that high to begin with, um, you know, he'll be definitely looked at, in my opinion, as an NFL caliber quarterback. He definitely will. And before we hit the break, I uh, just want us to talk about a little about uh, Nick Saban. He got that big extension again, and he's going to be like an Alabama lifer at this point. Yeah, through 2030. I mean, basically, he's going to be there until he doesn't want to coach anymore, which I don't blame which him for yeah. deserving that extension. So, yeah, he's, but think about, all the, think about the money he could get from the media working for ESPN or wherever the SEC is going to be next. And he makes plenty of money at Alabama. Not the me. not the most TV friendly kind of guy. Also. That's true. That is true. Uh, but that's you know not a, not unexpected for him to get that uh, that big bonus. But that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. Brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store. Not just an appliance store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding, outdoor living. It is family owned and operated right here in Martinsburg at 360 Hack Wilson Way. You can go to Orsini's.com for more. On the other side of this break, uh, we'll get into a lot of different news, uh, but we'll kind of stick with MLB next segment. That'll that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. We'll be back in two minutes. Now, back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, Colin, and Dylan hanging out with you today. Gonna mess that up once, but never again, Dylan. I apologize. <laughs> it happens. Uh, we'll talk some MLB. Uh, the Nats lose to the Mariners last night. Eric Fetty comes back off the injured list, and uh, he pitched pretty well for the Nats last night. Uh, unfortunately, he just didn't get the win, and they fell, what was it, 4 2, I believe, was the final. They're out west in Seattle. Uh, two homers, though, last night for the Nats. Uh, one from Joey Manessis. And the other from Lane, or excuse me, Lane Thomas singled on a line drive, scoring Manessas later on in the ballgame. But, you know, look at Eric Fetty's numbers. Five innings, three hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, six strikeouts, just giving up that, or giving up that home run. Uh, Really the the big part of the day was a two-run shot in the fourth inning. Uh, He looked pretty good, guys. Yeah, he did pitch well for 
the Nationals, unfortunately, though, they weren't able to get that win last night. And I say unfortunately, you know, typically I don't care what the Nationals do. I mean, just In because retrospect. I'm not a Nationals yes. fan. Uh, but I say unfortunately because that would have helped the Orioles yeah. if they beat the Mariners. And also, I, I think that, you know, Eric Fetty's my guy because he's always on the mound. And one thing I want to mention, though, not you guys probably don't know this, but uh, the opposing pitcher, the pitcher there for Seattle. Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray. Do you know anything about Robbie Ray? He was at once Pitch for the Diamondbacks. Pitch he was at once the Nats' top pros pitching prospect, uh, I believe, in twenty twelve. Was he traded for Patrick Corbin? I don't believe so. He was traded for somebody. I can't remember who he was traded for. Uh, but he was at once one of the top prospects in the Nats organization. Uh, then he got traded to the Tigers. He may have gotten traded Zimmerman or Scherzer. Is that what no, 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 I'm trying to remember who it is. Uh, he got traded. Uh, they traded him, Ian Kroll, and Steve Lombardozzi for Doug. Oh, good old Steve. For Doug Fister. Hey, right. uh, that's he wasn't very good for the Nationals. Didn't he struggle for the Nationals? Yeah, I mean he struggled for the Nats, but he's a you know Dang. tall guy. But that's uh, he was uh, one of the top prospects, okay. and the Nats were trying to get you know get a rotation to take him to the World Series. And back they then. traded uh, Giolito, who. He's having a bad year this year. But, but overall, he's, yeah. They, they traded I him mean, for Aaron Eden. The Orioles traded Josh Hader for, what's his name? Baby Shark. Gerardo Parra. Gerardo Parra. Yeah, they traded oh, Josh Hader yeah. for him. That the Nats are back in action well. this afternoon, though. Uh, close out the quick two-game series in Seattle. 4-10. It will be a uh, 3-40 pregame show right here on Talk Radio WRNR. Uh, Aaron or excuse me, Anibal Sanchez on the mound for the Nats, who has yet to win an appearance. He's 0-5 with a 6.43 ERA. Uh, the Nats need a win here. And I, I, I'm Kate Cavalli, when are they going to call him up? We don't need no Anibal Sanchez on the Nats. I'd argue well, that they don't need more wins. Just keep that first first draft pick locked Draft up. lottery. Don't worry about it. It's oh, a draft, a draft lottery now. Top yeah. still bottom increases three. your chances. Yep. Uh, just got to stay in there, though. Don't don't win too much. I, I don't think they're going to have an issue if they do win a couple games here and there of you know surpassing the third That's worst they're team pretty, in baseball. They're pretty far behind. Yeah, they Sorry, are pretty Nationals, far behind. But, but uh, yeah, they're back in action. I, so I mean, if haven't... the trend follows, Sanchez should be fine tonight. And the offense is what's been struggling the past few games for the Nats. Yeah, that, that is very true. Um, but uh, they have yet to decide what they're doing pitching wise for the series against the Reds starting. On Friday, they get tomorrow off. Uh, weird, they have two off days in one week. That is weird. Yeah, but I, they're go, they had to go out to the West Coast, and then uh, now they're going home from the West Coast, so they get a day off. I guess that's how they're doing it. Uh, but uh, Nats don't have haven't projected their starters yet for the weekend. Uh, they could be moving some guys around with an extra day off. Uh, over to the Orioles now. They won and they beat the White Sox yesterday, but. Uh, no Gunnar Henderson. Yeah. Uh, the, you, you guys were hyping that up yesterday morning. Yeah, everybody was. That's, the rumor was that he wasn't with the Tides in Jacksonville. Maybe he, he was. He played last, no, he oh. played last night. So I don't know even know why that was a rumor that was going around. But Sounds like everyone jumped the gun. Yeah, the Gunner. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you got to expect him to come up soon, though, right? Yeah. I, the only thing that I can think of is they just don't know – what to do with the roster because yeah. 
That makes sense. Rudin Odor, while he looks like the guy you should DFA out of the infielders, he's kind of like their best locker room guy. Yeah. And so, he's clutch. He is clutch. But he just can't really do anything unless it's the bottom of the ninth inning and so two outs. He'd be nice to be you know, there is a pinch hitter. That's yeah. what matters. So your option then is Taron Varvra, but I mean he's been pretty good and he's another young guy that you want to develop. So it's kind of a tough situation there for the Orioles in terms of who to send down if you want to bring up Henderson. So maybe they wait wait till the expanded rosters in September. Yeah, but then he wouldn't be playoff eligible. I, I mean, believe. unless you just put Odor down for that time being and then bring Odor back up come September. You make up an injury for Rogan Odor, IL him for a few days, and then bring up Henderson, and then you got them both in Maybe, September. Yeah. He stubbed his toe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, final question here. Just a quick posing you guys a question. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, but our pull holes hit, what, 692, 693 uh, home runs. And uh, I was like, didn't hear anything last night because he had a day off and he pinch hit last night. Uh, and he went, I don't, it says he, or he's a, yeah, he's a pinch hitter, but he went, I don't know, he must have reached on an air, maybe. I don't know. It just says, it says zero, no strikeouts, no walks. Maybe they base running mistake potentially. I don't know. Uh, but do we think he'll get to 700, yes or no, before the end of the year? If not, does he come back? He's not coming back. How many does he need, though? Seven. Sure. Yeah. He can do it. He gets it. I hope so. He gets it? I think does he gets it. Does he get there. final game of the year? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I don't know. So everybody thinks Dude's he gets Dude's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Either way. I think he's got a great shot at getting it now. Uh, just needs seven home runs in, um, what, like six weeks or something. Yeah. You know who's active that the Orioles actually don't need? Tyler Nevin. <laughs> We're not talking about that anymore. And okay, Nick. that's why Henderson's playing first base because Nevin ah. can play first. All right. Well, that will do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll wrap things up. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap things up after this two-minute break. You tune in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10 back in two minutes. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Nonetheless, inappropriate because not only did his first point come from the free throw line, but he scored many more points from the free throw line over his career than Michael Jordan has. Kobe's a great player. It's a great honor to be here now at this moment to see history. He deserves everything he gets, and, and, and I think it's really classy for the Minnesota Timberwolves to stop the game. And Happy Kobe Day, 824. That highlight Kobe Bryant passing Michael Jordan for the, on the all-time scoring list uh, from – what year was that from, guys? Gives, gave him no 32,293 points. Uh Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix for the final segment, brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices at 1270 Winchester Avenue. I believe that may have been back in 2015, 2014-2015. Uh, it's uh, very possible. Yeah. Uh, about uh, two and a half minutes left on today's edition of the Sports Mix. Uh, Kobe Bryant day eight twenty four. Both his numbers eight and twenty four. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, the Mamba. And happy belated birthday, because yesterday yeah. was it uh, would have been his birthday. 
So still crazy that he's gone and, you know, as a Celtics fan, never really cheered for him but always respected him and knew his greatness. So it's still fun to uh, pay tribute by always, you know, saying Kobe after a shot or something no matter what you do and watching his highlights because he truly was uh, one of the greats. You know, the peop- the thing that people forget, they you know Kobe always talk about, you know, Kobe when you shoot uh, basketball in the trash can. Kobe! You know, something in the trash can. Uh, Kobe Bryant was 12-time all-defense teams, and he nine-time first-team all-NBA defense. So it wasn't just his scoring. So that's one of the things that just people forget about in the, you know, with his legacy. Or at least it isn't talked about quite as much. Yeah, I think it's obviously a very sad thing to remember a tragic death a tragic death of both him and his daughter and uh several other people on board so you don't want to forget about the other people of course but i mean kobe uh was one of my favorite players growing up uh you know just a fun guy to watch um and it's still shocking that you know he passed away definitely is shocking but again 824 day after kobe bryant's birthday uh, rest in peace to the to Mamba. Uh, but that will do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. We'll be back tomorrow as we give you a more in-depth of a preview for Washington versus Hedges. We'll have that game tomorrow night on TV10, Talk Radio WR and WRNR TV on YouTube. 6 p.m. pregame show, 7 p.m. kickoff uh, as we get ready for that. And then we'll talk more EPAC tomorrow as well. We'll have Martinsburg versus Salem on Friday, same time, 7 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame show. Uh, but for Dylan Bishop, Colin McLaughlin, Nick Verzellini, I'm Spencer Please saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Nats on the air today, 344, 10 first pitch from Seattle. They close out a quick two-game set against the Mariners. Mm-hmm.